Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hi, everyone. You're listening to episode 15, and I just invite you to take a little bit of a pause before we begin today's episode. However your day has been, whatever you have next, I invite you to just take this little micro moment to pause. Maybe you can look out a window, maybe you can take in the scenery. If you're inside, you can even bring to mind a time when you were in a place that you absolutely loved. As of course, many highly sensitives, though not all, are drawn to nature. Perhaps you can bring to mind the image of flowers in a meadow, trees, the ocean, desert, whatever suits your fancy for today. So just taking that few moments to pause, to connect to the resource of nature, either in front of you out a window or in your mind's eye. On today's episode, I have a really lovely guest lined up. Her name's Courtney Burns. She's a wonderful astrologer, and I will share a little bit more about her soon. Two announcements before we get started today. The first is that I am so honored to be speaking in the Kootenai Yoga Festival, which is coming up this weekend. It begins on Friday night, June 11th and goes right through to Sunday evening. I'll be speaking on reclaiming the power of your menstrual cycle. So this is some serious sacred self-care that we'll be talking about. And of course, I'll be bringing in a guided meditation during that time as well as some practical and more philosophical spiritual ways of looking at your menstrual cycle. There's going to be a dance sass class in the Kootenai Yoga Festival. There's going to be Feldenkrais. There's going to be aerial yin yoga with live violin sounds, workshops on life, purpose, and abundance. It is quite a jam-packed weekend, and I'm really looking forward to attending a lot of the workshops myself. So if this calls to you, if this resonates with you, It's $60 Canadian for the whole weekend. You can get your tickets. You can read a little bit more, of course, at kootenayyogafestival.com. Recordings will be available afterwards as well, so that you don't have to watch every class live and, of course, get some time outside in the woods or doing whatever needs doing on the weekend. I'll include the link in the show notes. And the other announcement is that this month's Awakening HSP Circle, the monthly gathering that I hold every month 
obviously it's a monthly gathering. <laughs> this is going to be on next Wednesday, June 16th. I'll speak a little bit more about it in the episode, though in a nutshell, we're going to be tapping into rituals, both earth-based and personal, to celebrate the summer solstice. I'll also explain why I'm having it a few days before June 20th, which is the summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere, and of course will be the winter solstice over in the Southern Hemisphere, though I imagine there will be plenty of people holding space to celebrate the winter solstice in the Southern Hemisphere for those listening there. You can find out more and save your spot at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. And for those that are drawn to flower essences, who are curious about energetic plant medicine, and would like to learn a little bit more, I will just give this sneak peek that if you tune in at the next episode... I'll have some details of a monthly flower essence gathering where we'll be all taking the same flower essence at the same time and sharing our experiences together. More to come on this, though I just wanted to drop that little seed in the earth. So I will add the caveat that for the most part, this will be mailed out to those in North America If you're outside North America, then I can hopefully connect you with another place to get your flower essences. So that will be an upcoming offering all around exploring flower essences together as a group. Okay, so that is our announcements for today. I'm really excited to dive into and share today's interview I actually had this chat with Courtney on Friday, so just a few days ago. I wanted to get this out to you ASAP because we dive into the summer solstice, we dive into a little bit around the eclipse coming up on June 10th, and a lot of different elements of astrology. Before we dive in, I'll properly introduce our guest today. Courtney Burns is the creator behind the brand, Bravely Beautiful, where she talks about all things spirituality, astrology, emotions, and mental health. Courtney is incredibly passionate about living from a space of authenticity and wants to inspire people daily and empower them to do the same. Courtney shares her own experiences through vulnerable storytelling and using her favorite tools like astrology. She also likes to refer to herself as an earth school teacher and hype girl helping people figure out this whole human thing. She has an awesome YouTube channel. She's really active on Instagram. She will share a little bit about her podcast, which is brand new and really exciting, and her blog. So I'm going to include all the links straight to those And you can find her podcast at Saturn Return Diaries and her Instagram at Bravely Beautiful Brand. And with that, let's head straight into the interview. I'm super, super, super excited to welcome the lovely Courtney Burns onto the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today, Court. 
Thank you. I'm so excited. This is such an honor. Ooh, I feel like <laughs> it, it goes both ways because I have been to your astro biz circles where you talk about astrology in relation to themes on business. I've watched a lot of your videos on what's going on in the astrology world because I'm, I'm honestly, I'm so interested in it. And I know like a tiny, tiny amount. People yeah. ask me, like, oh, what's your this sign? What's your that sign? Like your rising or moon sign. And I had just messaged with Court last week saying, I think I've, I think I've got them. I think I've worked it out. Yeah. So here it's a like, process. <laughs> oh, it is totally is a process and I'm hearing this from people that astrology is it's obviously been around a long time but it feels like there's this shift happening and people are becoming really interested in it so I thought it'd be really fun to bring you on and share your wisdom on all things astrology so what as is always a lovely place to start what led you to this kind of different role in life being an astrologer what was your path like to get here oh goodness well yeah everything you just said I'm so proud of you for like exploring it um first and foremost it's always exciting to me when I hear people want to like learn more um but astrology for me I just looked up actually and on my on my wall I have this big picture of um like constellations so mm -hmm. astrology has always been like a big part of my life. I just didn't ever know it could be a job or something that you could quote unquote take seriously. Um, <laughs> and when I was young, like I remember my grandma, she had this book. She's also an Aquarius. And every time I went to her house, I would read this book every single time she would have it on her fridge and I would always read it. And I remember that being something that we would connect over because we're obviously the same sign. Um, and also my papa, who's married to her, he, him and I shared the same birthday. So I always thought that was kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah. So lots of like correlations throughout the, I guess, beginning of my life. And then as I've kind of gotten older, I was always really into um, horoscopes. And I remember reading them and being like, not fully understanding what they mean, because sometimes astrologers use language that's like above any over everyone's head. Um, and I would just kind of take them with a grain of salt. But then from there, I would, I started to learn more about the birth chart. And that became sort of my party trick. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> Yeah, with people. And it's always been something I've loved learning about and exploring. And it just gives me so many like good feelings in my body when I think about it. I love looking up at the stars. Like, it's just so the celestial life and cosmos is so um, feels like home to me. So I really, really love learning about it. Mm, the, I, oh, I love the connection you had with your your grandma about that and what was the book called I'm guessing it was an astrology book if you don't remember the title that's okay oh yeah it was like I don't remember the title but it was like this flip book and it was a magnet so it would stick to the fridge and every time it would open, like you every page was like something different about an Aquarius so I learned about my sign from a young age and what that meant um mm -hmm. 
so yeah, I don't remember the title. I just know it was like all about Aquarius. <laughs> so that's so cool. And yeah. that you had that connection and that support from such a young age. Mm. Yeah. And that's pretty common. Actually, I know in episode 13, when I was chatting with Marie, we talked about growing up and just there's a lot of different household dynamics that can happen when we're growing up and when we're highly sensitive we have we have things we're drawn to we have things that we really love and adore and a lot of times they're a little less mainstream so I love that you had that support from a young age even if life maybe didn't always have all those levels of support but you had a couple people in your corner so that's cool that's great yeah that is actually really that's something like interesting that you just said that because I was always like the kid that was a little bit different and wanted to like, you know, explore different things. Although I have a Pisces rising, so it's very easy for me to chameleon myself into um, groups, which I learned a lot about as I grew up. But um, yeah, that's something. It's also, I was also obsessed with the Wizard of Oz. So like, you know, <laughs> like who, I was never scared of the Wicked Witch. I loved her. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I honestly never heard that. Yeah. I watched with my grandma all the time. This is a bit of a tangent, but Dorothy was my best friend. She was my imaginary friend. So, like, clearly I was a highly sensitive child. <laughs> yeah. Like, scared of witches. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think weird at all. I think she's being cast in a new light, the Wicked Witch. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Oh, well, you've already brought up something that I've been thinking about. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit to this idea of people getting into astrology and maybe they learn a a few of their signs. And is there a place, maybe a starting place that if people know their birthday, like for me, I don't officially know my birth time. I actually just sent off yesterday. I requested my records to find out, so I'm excited. But when people are starting out, uh, I noticed you said you're Pisces rising. So from what I know, I'm like rising signs have a lot to do with life. Uh, sun sign and other areas you recommend people start on to not get like overloaded with the many mm-hmm. dynamics that they can really have a bit of like, here's your baby steps to learn a little bit about yourself. Are there certain elements of their chart to pay attention to? I guess I'll ask it like that. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say definitely sun, moon, rising. So your sun sign is what we all kind of know as the month that we're born into. And, um, we share that sign with other people who are born in the same month. But sometimes people are like, oh, that doesn't really sound like me. And that's because you have lots of other energy in your chart, right? So you could have the same birth month as someone and be the same sign, sun sign, but your rising sign might be different. So your sun sign is really good to know. And that's who you are at your core, your identity, who you're growing into. Then you have your rising sign, which is um, sort of like our first look into the world. So it's where the sun rises or sorry, um, it's sort of like, yeah, your first look into the world and what kind of comes up um, as your first 
steps into this human experience. So some people say the rising sign is kind of like a mask. Um, I don't love that term, but it does kind of represent what um, the window of our lens would kind of look like. And the rising sign is good to know because, for example, if you're looking at your horoscope, often astrologers will base that off your rising sign. A lot of people don't know know that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I've always just read Scorpio. I'm Scorpio sun sign then. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why it's good to know that one. And then also your moon. So the moon, especially for those like your audience um, who listens to this podcast is um, probably on the highly sensitive side, which is about our emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And our feelings. And that's where our moon sign represents. So anything internally going on, we can often look to our moon sign and say like, okay, what do I need to feel safe and secure? What do I need to feel comfortable so I can do my um, work, so I can feel safe and heard in my relationships? Um, And also just like, how can I care for myself? Like self-care, right? The moon sign is very powerful. So having a picture of those three, um, the big three we call them, is a really good starting point to get to know yourself and then other people. Because if we know each other's moon signs, for example, um, we can support each other more on by understanding what they might need from an emotional level. So mm. it's really powerful. I love that. And it's so... In some ways, I feel like it makes the experience a bit more accessible to know where to begin because I thought I might back up one step as well because if someone's brand new listening, hasn't even really heard of a birth chart or a natal chart, um, maybe just giving like a little snapshot around that because the first birth chart I saw, I think was actually yours in one of your circles. I was so confused. what is going on I don't I don't know where to start reading this so I imagine I'm not the only one that pulled up my birth chart and then closed it again because I was like I don't even know what what to begin with so you've given some good really good starting tips of looking at your sun sign your rising sign and your moon sign but like yeah just maybe for those that have never maybe seen a birth chart roughly what does it look like and anything else you want to just briefly tell us about it yeah really good question I know it can be so overwhelming when people come to my sessions and I share the screen with them on zoom they're like what I'm like don't freak out like but it's good it's good yeah. it's a good exposure yeah. and then you can walk us through it <laughs> yeah like, why are all these things like what does this mean and it is um there's a lot to it it does look um like a lot at first and basically what it looks like is sort of this bullseye um target um and it's a circle and it's a map of our soul so we all have every single planet in the solar system somewhere in our chart they're located in what we call houses which look like little pieces of pie and each one of them, the houses has a different party going on. I describe it as that. There's like a different theme. Yeah. Like a house party, you know. And uh, <laughs> some of them are more active than others. Sometimes our soul doesn't necessarily need to go hang out in the certain houses. 
And between the planets, there's these crazy lines in between them that a lot of people get a little bit overwhelmed with. So in the birth chart, um, just to dial it back a bit, we have a picture of what it looks like where all the planets and stars line up when we're born. So it's a snapshot of our time and place when we were born. And it's the energy that we come to this earth with. And our birth chart allows us to see the karma and all the stuff that we're going to work through. So um, the lines that are in between that people kind of get tripped up on a lot, it's that's how the planets communicate with one another. So they're called aspects. And sometimes there's tension. Sometimes they work really well. Sometimes they're very intuitive. Um, And that can also give us more indications on, okay, let's say, for example, your sun and your moon, maybe they they don't talk really well with one another. And you're someone that needs to learn how to communicate your feelings in this lifetime. So that can be um, something that we would see just as an example. So it is confusing, but it's also so incredible when you start to learn it. I feel like it gives this entirely new way of looking and understanding oneself. And I'll add the caveat in about, you actually named it earlier when people kind of read a bit about their sun sign or say they are, say they are Scorpio and they're I don't know the signs in depth. <laughs> I can't really talk to many of them. Mine, a little, little more. They're like, well, I don't, I don't identify with that intensity. Like Scorpios, there's that quite deep and transformational energy that can come with their experiences. And if I'm saying this completely wrong, please correct me. But this is what has filtered into my brain and and stuck. Yeah. And someone may just go like, well, that doesn't really fit with me at all. So I feel like the birth chart may give that, well, I should say that it can give them this bigger snapshot that's more unique, specific to them is what I'm hearing around your definition of it. Yeah, I think some people have kind of written it off. So they just go, well, that doesn't really fit with me. But the birth chart gives them this whole other, I feel like, tool of self-awareness. This other way of understanding themselves with plenty of spaciousness that we aren't we aren't just able to be easily defined by you know reading up in in 30 seconds the more i look into astrology the more i see how deep it is and i realize this is not just an initial quick i'll look at my horoscope online kind of thing so much in it so mm-hmm. if you've ever looked up your birth chart if you've ever read a few things and thought hmm yeah, no, that doesn't really fit with me. I feel like this is where getting, a, if you're at all called to, and not everyone's called to astrology work, I feel like this is a great way of then getting in touch with someone that knows a little bit more of the depth of astrology because there's some pretty, yeah, there's some pretty big rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many. Like I'm always going to be learning this. Like it's a con, it will never stop because you know, I look up to some pretty big astrologers who I find so fascinating their work. And um, it's going to take me years to get to where they are with their knowledge, right? But what? And then there's a lot of people who are just starting to understand now. So it's a constant study. It's going to continue to evolve. There's so many different types of astrology. And 
yeah, I'm going to be a forever student and a teacher of it, which is kind of a cool thing to think about, actually. <laughs> I'm going to say, I feel like that's a beautiful combination, especially for a highly sensitive, because we love to think really deeply about what we're passionate about and connect dots that other people might not see. So I think that's really cool. I also think you don't give yourself near enough credit because I've had some readings really with court and been like, how did you know that? <laughs> so I highly recommend from experience readings because they really brought in some pretty fantastic information and it, it really, it gave me some practical steps as well as some overview, some bigger, more sort of full, philosophical, philosophical, that's how you say that word, um, ideas as well. But yeah, as much as I've had some some card readings and a few things before, not a lot, I tend to do it mostly for myself. But I found your, your combination of like, here's some practical things and here's some overview things really helpful. So yeah, thanks for that. Yay. Thank you for that. That is, I mean, I always like to hear that stuff, but um, yeah, it, it feels like when I do astrology and when I write about my astrology, I want to make sure that it is digestible and understandable. Cause like I said, it can go over a lot of people's head. It doesn't need to be that complicated, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that to me is really important. So I try to bring in my playful uh, creative way of explaining things into what I do. So then that way it is sort of understandable in a human way. That's just practical and fun, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like the house party. I've never heard that before. And yet I love that. It makes it, cause I look at, so this is me working on what I think is my birth time uh, or what my mom thinks my birth time is and I got a got a big party happening in Libra and I only just learned that like both rising and moon are in Libra and other other elements that I don't remember and that's okay (laughs) but just that idea of like all right I gotta I gotta happen and party there so I'm slowly learning more about Libra because Mm -hmm. Up until recently, my whole uh, relationship to astrology has been like, oh, that's cool. I know I'm Scorpio. The end. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm having fun exploring. And I think that's an important part is for people to have some fun with it, to just have some playfulness with it. And given that we're in a time of year, especially, we are recording this just before, a few days before the solar eclipse, and that is not all that long before the summer solstice. Mm-hmm. So we're in this really amazing time of the year where there's a lot of energy moving. There's a lot of sun. There's a lot of passion, a lot of creativity. My garden is growing like crazy, and that makes me so happy. <laughs> but I like when I think about the energies of the seasons, I think about them from an earth standpoint, from an elemental standpoint. And I know, I didn't even know there was things from an astrological standpoint. So how would it be to dive into a little bit about the astrological themes, significance of the eclipse coming up, the solstice coming up, and can just enlighten me a little because I'm really, really curious about that, this whole way of looking at the solstice energy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like 
um, even so beautiful the way that you said that, like your garden is growing. There's a lot more sun. Like um, yesterday for us was really warm here in BC, you know, like that, that heat, that summer um, excitement is coming. And when it, when we have a solar eclipse, which this year is going to be in the sign of Gemini, um, what that means from an astrological standpoint is um, not to overwhelm everyone. <laughs> I'm going to try to explain this in the best way I can, but the sun is in a sign, Gemini, where the north node is. So every time we have um, the eclipses, they always happen on the nodal axis, which is where the north and south node are. So we just had a lunar eclipse, which was in the sign of Sagittarius, and that was on the south node. So this next one is happening in Gemini on the north node. It's going to be right beside the north node, giving this energy of this eclipse a really powerful new beginning, new start. So it's amping up that energy of more sunlight, more rebirth, um, and it can make things move in a in a really fast way, almost like a quantum leap into our future or what we've been wanting to manifest. So your garden is growing great. Um, things such as the world beginning to open up. Um, these coming out of our cocoons is a big theme with this energy that we're experiencing. And an eclipse is very faded. Okay, so a, a lunar eclipse you know, takes things out. Solar eclipse brings things in. I love that. Yeah. It's a wild time for us. Like, like I, I don't know, actually, I, I know I saw your Instagram, but when we had the lunar eclipse, it looked like you were kind of like weeding out your garden. Like you were kind of like getting rid of things and then putting them in. And, and now you, everything's in there and now you're going to start to see what's happening. Right. So that's a good example, I think, of that. That's, I love that. So the lunar eclipse brings things out. The solar eclipse brings things in. Okay, got it. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, and that space in between, this is where a lot of us are right now. And for me personally, I find it very uncomfortable, um, like a lot of people. When you take everything out, when you spring clean, when you rip your garden out, when you move your furniture around your house, when you take the Christmas tree down, everything looks kind of different and it feels like there's something missing from here, right? And it's that waiting period for the new the new moon solar eclipse to come in and work its magic essentially. And the interesting piece, just to kind of um, bring this fun fact in, is um, way back when the ancients were like, you do not do anything with an eclipse. You don't go out and look at it. You shouldn't do any rituals, nothing. Now, we're very modern now, and that's not necessarily the case. If you're someone who likes to do your rituals, then you should do your rituals, right? Like that's for you. Um, but the the point of that and why I bring it up is because Fate is something that I truly believe in. And when it comes to eclipses, they have so much fate attached to them that they 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 will eclipse things out and they will eclipse things in. So that's kind of that, I guess, a reassurance of like, you know, 
the universe has our back or something is working for us with us. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to put that in there. That's super, super cool because I've never thought about that, that in between time. And when you name it like that, and also the discomfort that can come with it, that actually makes a lot of sense. And it can be challenging as a highly sensitive person myself to navigate changes when we don't know the outcome yet or when we don't know what's coming up yet. This is why, and I'll chat more on this probably another episode, why I say I tend to try and plan for as many things as possible. So I prepare my nervous system, prepare my energy body, prepare myself for what's coming up. But when we're in a state of unknown, yeah, that can be uncomfortable. (laughs) I can see that. And on the flip side, part of me really loves the openness of it. And then not having to do anything in that time. Though, honestly, this took a lot of work, of inner work, and a lot of work from my helping spirits and guides to get me to that place, that place of surrender of going, I don't really know. And I'm sure I'll be learning that one again. We'll just touch wood on that one because it can be uncomfortable being in these in-between spaces. So I find that really interesting that you bring that in. There's something in me that actually really likes them now. So I've been having a ball the last little while Mm. having to like commit to anything quite yet, but I'm feeling these stirrings coming up and these energies start to percolate and start to go forward. So, but like not quite yet, like almost Mm -hmm. the eclipse is on the 10th. And is it in Gemini because we're in Gemini season? That sounds like an obvious question, but. <laughs> yeah, it's also, um, because, like I said, with the North Node. So we always have the eclipse seasons during the same time of year. Um, you know, it's always a midway point at the end of the year as well. But it changes um, signs depending on where the South um, and North Nodes are. So this year and last year we had Sagittarius and Gemini nor um, eclipses because of the fact that that's where the North and South node have been. So next year, um, well, at the end of the year, we'll round out with a uh, Sagittarius eclipse again. And then moving into 2022, we will go into the North and South node of Taurus and Scorpio axis. So that's where our eclipses will be, which is going to be, I was thinking about that today, actually. And I'm like, anytime we have the nodes, I know we were going to talk about this a bit, but anytime we have the nodes, that's bringing up huge collective themes, huge. So not to jump too far in the future, but with a North North node in Taurus and the South node being in Scorpio, where um, Taurus is a lot about healing the planet and the environment, which is good. It also brings up money and values. Hmm. So coming off of what we are experiencing this year, it's going to be a very interesting transit. So yeah. You sound excited and also like, oh, here we go. I'm like, <laughs> gonna happen because we know we know Scorpio as well right brings Scorpio is that um 
underworld. It brings things out. And the Taurus is about what we can see on the um, 3D level. So we're learning to balance that axis. That'll be next year. I think that's going to be a really complimentary and yet challenging energy in next year <laughs> in, the, in a while to come. So I'm just going to want to re-listen to this as we get closer to, to next year. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm curious for, for this year too, for those that aren't really familiar with Sagittarius or Gemini, can you give some broad strokes to those themes? Yes. So if you're listening to this right now, you're about to go, oh, because <laughs> Sagittarius and Gemini, beautiful energy. Okay. All of this energy is so beautiful. So the last time we had Sagittarius and Gemini on nodal axis eclipses was when 9-11 happened and the world changed, right? Travel changed. The way that we explore changed. Um, rules and regulations, our beliefs changed. And I wanted to use that as an example because it's a really good, um, you know, marker of what we all know happened at that time. And um, when this changed and came in, lots of astrologers were like, okay, there's a lot that's going to happen with this because everything works in cycles. So Sagittarius is in our South node right now. So for the collective, that means anytime we have a South node, we're moving away from something. We're, we've already done this. We know this energy. So it's time to move away from it and go towards our North node. So Sagittarius is about being very, very smart, very intelligent, bringing in information from their different cultures, the world. We think global when we think of a Sagittarius. Sometimes because Sagittarius rules belief systems um, and also higher understanding and perspective, there is a tendency where Sagittarius can get stuck in black and white thinking. Hmm. And the North Node in Gemini, Gemini is very smart, very curious, but on a more playful, kind of childlike energy, always learning, always bringing in information back and forth saying, why? Why is it that way? Having discernment and questioning, that's a Gemini trait. Gemini also rules over our um, close environment. So versus Sagittarius, which is world, global, Gemini. I'm getting chills when I'm saying this. Ch um, Gemini is like our home, our neighbors, the people in our close family. So when we think of this, this transit has been happening for 18, well, it's a total of 18 months. We're not quite there yet. So we've been going through this, asking, being asked to move away from having the black and white thinking being, you know, asked to integrate new belief systems and, and question them and ask why and look out for our neighbors, our community and bring that kind of back in. So then that way we can balance the two because it's still important to learn from everyone in the world. I, I think that's beautiful and it's important to have beliefs, but um, you need to learn to balance these two. 
I feel like that's such an incredibly beautiful way of summing up what's been going on and also bringing in the astrology side to it because otherwise sometimes I feel like reading things on an astrological level I get lost very quickly for one thing I'm slowly learning terminology but I also can't relate it I can't relate it to what's happening necessarily Um, and that's not to say that the writers I've read aren't fantastic some of them I read I'm like oh that's that's really deep. That's really interesting. But I love how you put that. So thanks for bringing that in. Cause I'm like, ah, well that makes, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. And so having it like that, right. It's like, it, it almost for me at least, mm-hmm. it really helps me to see and understand on a, uh, I guess, analytical level of there's a reason why things happen, you know? So that could be my part of my HSP side of like wanting to have some answers <laughs> yeah, wanting to understand. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love astrology. There's, you know, um, and then we can work with it. So yeah. 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 And I think that's helpful when, when one's on a path of self-discovery when we're learning about ourselves, when we're doing inner work, whether we're just starting or have been doing it for decades, there can be so much to work with. It's like, here's an overflowing plate of self-help books, like have fun. And that's actually not useful at all. Mm-hmm. So I generally, on a personal level, I work with the energies of the earth. What is changing? What element is at its highest peak right now? As we move into the summer solstice time, fire is is here like that really big fire transformational energy and my mentor sums it up so well of fire being a creator as well as a destroyer and a transformer it's not a light and easy energy and yet it is so required for our survival we need fire we need the warmth we need the nurturance that can come from fire Then you think after a forest fire, some plants require that. They need the fire to come through so that they can actually have their seeds germinate into the next Mm -hmm. round of that plant. So when we think of fire, sometimes people have their own associations with it. But I find, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I find that when I've been walking my own path, when I've been exploring my own inner work, my own inner growth. I've been doing it in relation to what's called the wheel of the year, the cycle of the year, what the earth is doing, and using that as a way of just kind of guiding what I'm working on. And that's not to say that right now heading into summer solstice, this time of fruition, things really starting to grow. We're not quite in harvest season yet. We're not quite at that stage of say a number of hundred years ago, we're not quite at that stage of safety of, hey, we have enough harvest to get through the next winter, but things look really hopeful. Things look really promising at this time of year. They can, but I use that as kind of a map of of what to, to work on and explore. And it feels like astrology brings in this whole other realm and yet complementary realm to look at as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, the birth and the stars and the moon, they're all completely interrelated. Mm-hmm. beautiful system 
But with saying that, with saying that the wheel of the year has these shifting energies, this is why I always hold a circle around the solstices, equinoxes, and these kind of bigger energies on the, the earth calendar, if you will. This is what I think of as earth-based spirituality is following that mm. rhythm that she brings with knowing that our own personal inner wheel can look different too. Like mm. I shared not too long ago that I've just finished a really big project. So I actually went into an inner winter for a while. I needed that inner rest, even though everything's starting to open up outside. The rest didn't take me as long. I didn't need to go as deep. I feel like because the summer energy is here, this is like midsummer time, even though I think on our calendar, it's only technically the first day of summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess a month off. Yeah. So we've been here a while. And yet on June 1st, I don't know if I have that right. Is like the technical start of summer. I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's been coming. Mm-hmm. But being in this astrological lens, especially around the solstice, it's like they are complementary and yet different. And it looks at these different changes in the celestial energy that influence our world if i'm saying that correctly mm. given that mm. i've heard some astrologers say uh or one i'm thinking of in particular well what i what i'm sharing right now is only relevant for like right now because that's what the energies are sometimes i'll read back through on a few things and be like wow what an interesting way of thinking mm. i find it really helpful to be able to kind of just almost cherry pick and go, that's really just a helpful message, full stop. <laughs> Not even related to astrology, just it's a helpful message. So I find even just getting, listening to your intuition with who to start exploring astrology with, if you're drawn to it, and you don't have to be drawn to it. And also just letting whatever resonates land and whatever doesn't fit, just carry on. Mm-hmm. We're going to take us on a, a long philosophical tangent here. So <laughs> let's go. I love that though. That's such a good point of like, you know, you need to follow your own intuition when you're choosing someone who you want to learn from. And um, there's astrologers that I love and, and there's some that like, you know, I, that are good, but I don't resonate with them because for whatever reason, I just don't. And um there can be a lot of fear mongering when there's like certain, you know, with anything, like if you're watching tarot, if you're doing a, like there can be that stuff. So it is important for you to, you know, feel safe to explore it. And that means following your intuition and, and, and um, yeah, finding what resonates with you. I feel like that's an act of empowerment in itself, reclaiming our own power there's so much we can consume. We do live in an age of information overload. Yeah. So why not reclaim our power, reclaim our attention? Because it's extremely precious. Our attention is a very precious resource mm-hmm. to read and follow those that really resonate with us, that seem to fit, even if we don't know why. And it's just something I think bears naming because part of why I've been a little... I think hesitant sometimes with doing future readings, say with cards or with even astrology. I'm just actually putting this together now. There was a hesitation to know, quote unquote, what energies were coming, because what if that influenced my decisions now in like a fearful way? And what if there's a 
again, a quote unquote bad thing coming? And how does it create that sense of tension in me? So I would just not want to know. Mm-hmm. I just realized that now. So I'm like, that's a good point. Lots of people like, um, especially because with astrology, you can predict, you'll never know 100%. And also we're co-creators, but you know, lots of astrologers predicted 2020 that there was something big that was going to happen because of the transits and evolution, evolutionary astrology. If if anyone's ever interested, that's um, where you can go back and look at like history. So, and see how um, it repeats itself. And um, it's fascinating to look at, but it can cause that like Oh, like even for me, I notice sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I'm getting anxiety listening to this astrology right now. I need to maybe not go there because it's it's taking me out of the present way too much, like way more than mm-hmm. it should. Mm-hmm. So I can look at my chart years down the road and I'm curious. And sometimes <laughs> I do. I'm like, Courtney, no, come back. <laughs> <laughs> right to the here and now. Yeah. <laughs> You're not uh, there yet. Yeah. That <laughs> could be quite I, I I love that you had that aspect of our, our co-creation in. I think that's really important. But also that it could almost be this dangerous weapon to go look ahead and really kind of get sucked into this little vortex of exploration, which can be helpful uh, and may not be. Yeah. So I think something to be said with sitting with where we're at. Whether that be a joyous place, a difficult place, a hard place, a fun place. Mm-hmm. But given the energies right now, we're talking all about the, the fun and the warm and the sunshine. And yet not everyone will be there. Some people are going to be in, in an opposite place. They, they may be in a challenging place and that's okay. Yeah. Honestly, this is something that I come back to again. Here I am. What does this feel like? And can I be with this or I heard Alan Watts sum it up really well. Mm. Can I be with this or can I find relief for this? If I, if it's outside of what it's going to cranial language, my window of tolerance is nervous system healing languages. Mm. If this discomforts beyond what I can cope with, what relief do I need? But at the same time, how much can I actually sit with this challenge? How much can I just be here? Mm. So given all of that, I'm not sure why that came in. I love that. I just wrote down Alan Watts because I love him. And I'm like, oh, I've been wanting to listen. I forgot. I wanted to listen to him. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Happy to. Yeah. Happy to. And, and I often tune in before recording to seeing if there's any messages, anything to bring through. And one other element that came through a lot while we're on kind of a bit more of the popcorn style of, oh, we'll bring this in and bring that in, was that while we're at this sort of height of the sun or heading into this height of the sun, I haven't even really defined summer solstice if people aren't that familiar with it, we get into the, the longest day, the longest number of sun, uh, hours of sun rather, in the day and the shortest amount of dark. The equinoxes are roughly, not quite to the millisecond, equal day, equal night. So right now we've swung where we are in relation to the sun. The earth has swung in relation to the sun to have all of this sunshine here. 
in the Northern Hemisphere. We're opposite in the Southern Hemisphere, just to confuse things, because I know some of you are listening from there. And with saying that, it is such a beautiful time to enjoy this playful energy, this warmth, this the curiosity that you brought in on the Gemini flavor. I'm like, yes, that so sums it up. But also not to take it all too seriously. Like we can work so, so hard towards something and have it look completely different when it actually grows. Mm. We can plant our seeds. And myself, a pattern I work with is overthinking and over planning. So I can over plan and try and control for all the variables. And that seed may grow up completely different than I originally intended. And that's okay. So having that playfulness, having that fun with this, as well this peak energy, this peak sunshine, with recognizing that things are about to shift and we are about to turn right back around, mm-hmm. heading towards the dark, heading in towards the daylight slowly shortening. We got months and months of daylight though, so don't worry about that quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, no, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yet. But I actually wanted to record this episode earlier before the summer solstice because I feel like everything comes out around summer solstice of like here's ways to celebrate it here's ways to have a ritual for it and kind of the prompt for this was because I looked at when my moon time comes when my period comes and it actually is on the summer solstice which in itself is very interesting Mm. however being as before I said, I hold circles around the solstices and equinoxes and like, well, how, how does this then fit in? Given that if you're new to the podcast or haven't heard other episodes, I take my moon cocoon time away from holding circles, from seeing clients, from doing a lot of computer work. I take a couple days rest and I actually block off a week out of my schedule. I may be doing work behind the scenes then, but I give myself some spaciousness and flexibility and I'm very grateful for that. So given that, I went, you know what? I'm just gonna book the circle earlier. So it's actually on the 16th, on the Wednesday. And I thought, oh, I actually love that because this gives people a chance to start to tune into the energy beforehand and start to think about, well, what would I maybe want to do on that day? Maybe I can plan some time on the solstice or around that. I could maybe gather some things for a simple ritual. And that's what we're gonna be talking a lot about in the circle, really simple earth-based rituals that you can do and just connect with nature. But is there anything that you like to do, Corb, on the solstice or just around this sort of summertime? Doesn't have to be astrology related, (laughs) but I'm just curious. It's always kind of changed. And like I told you before, I'm, well, <laughs> you know this, but if if anyone who, I don't know if your listeners follow me, but I have a lot of big energy and it's hard for me to be grounded often. I'm very um, in my upper chakras a lot of the time. So that's why I have so much fun in your circles. I come yeah. out of them just feel it all like, oh, like this is great. Yeah. <laughs> have a lot of fun there. Yeah. And and that's fun, but that's why I love learning about bringing in the elements of um, the earth. And I think what I will do, because I'm such a summer baby, I love 
the heat. I love the sun. I love the water. It's, you know, I'm the happiest when I'm by the beach, like hands down. It's my favorite place to be. So I already know that I will be doing an ocean dip (laughs) (laughs) around and, um, you know, probably bringing my crystals and cleansing them a little bit. Um, but other than that, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, looking forward to an ocean dip for sure. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, my, yeah. my first dip in the water yesterday. <laughs> it was freezing. What was that? I missed that part. I was going to say, what about you? I guess you'll be on your moon time, but like, is there anything that you do? It changes. And I love that. I am as well in love with the sun. And as much as, say, I'm born in November and I've my sister's birthdays in the summer and I was always jealous because I'm like you get to have these great parties you get to have everyone get together and I'm like it's November it's rainy and what can you do in November so I always thought having having things in the summer is just so fantastic so I often will tune in and last year I remember doing a circle with my mentor and this has brought in such a great way of looking at things she probably was more like two years ago to connect with a personal ritual for that time and that year so Mm -hmm. last year starting right around the solstice I was given intuitively this really really simple part of my morning practice to have a hand on the earth and connect with her beautiful energy and to also reach a hand upwards towards the sky and connect with the warmth and the solar energy and just to hang out with both of them for a few moments a few minutes but that's probably some kind of yoga pose i don't actually most people surprised by this i don't do a lot of yoga do a lot more uh different types of movement so it's probably some kind of yoga pose but regardless that was what showed up for me and that became really my summer ritual of last year especially but I find it I'm really drawn to having fires and I had a really not comfortable relationship with fire for a long time so I've had to work with its energy to find that spark of excitement with it I used to actually have quite a fear around it but last year we put a fire ring in the back so I will most likely be having my husband make a nice fire for me and I'll just go toddle out there with my teen and enjoy the the fiery energy. So I really, yeah, connect with a lot of flowers, a lot of plants at this time. And I really, really soak in the heat. It's like I fill myself up with the heat at this time. So in short, it changes. And I like that. And Mm. I'm good with the, yeah, the different energies that come in. So beautiful. I love that. So I, I asked this of everybody, actually, before we get to that, I'm going to really quickly ask you about North node, because we touched a little on South node. And so South node is behind what's kind of been behind us, what we've learned. And Mm -hmm. North node, I'm going to guess that that's the opposite has to do with what we're going towards. I thought we will just quickly define that and anything else that you wanted to bring in just free form you like right i wanted to add that in there's just some space now to yeah 
Yeah, I think the nodes are very interesting. Um, and everyone has a different north and south node in their birth chart. So um, for example, it kind of depends on the years that you're born, you'll have the same group as certain people. And um, for me, I have my north node is in Capricorn and my south node is in Cancer. So that you would need your birth time for to know um, exactly what yours are. But um, with our north node, that's outside of our the modern definition of this is it's outside of our comfort zone. So, you know, we, yeah, it's where our soul wants to go, but doesn't feel familiar. This is what I'm walking a lot of right now is my North node, because I'm also in my Saturn return, which I can talk about in a second. Um, But the South node has been something that we've either kind of already mastered in a past life And we brought to this life and we have that comfort. So it's, you know, our familiarity, our, our, our comfort zone. And mine is in the sign of cancer. And I'll just use this example to kind of back it up. Um, I've just left a job working with children for my um, whole life. That's basically what I did. And cancer is like that motherly nurturing energy that is very like taking care of children Whereas Capricorn is more of the um, quote unquote father figure who builds, who creates something new, who, who forms a structure. So my comfort zone is um, having this safety net. Cancer is like a home and a safe feeling and, and taking care of people. But my out of my comfort zone is, is building something, is Capricorn energy. It's it's learning structures and systems and how to create something new and be responsible essentially for my own life and, and go after my goals. So it's quite a jump. Um, and again, we all have this polarity. <laughs> um, it's in different signs for everyone. But that is the kind of uh, an example of what that would look like. Um, so yeah. And then I'll just, cause I did talk about the Saturn return, mm-hmm. um, just so everyone knows this is like, I'm like, I'm obsessed with learning about Saturn right now and talking about Saturn because sometimes I have conversations with Saturn and my <laughs> Saturn, you're relentless. Okay. But this, <laughs> this planet is like huge, right? Saturn is a big, 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 big planet out there in the solar system and is very strong. He's the father in the sky. So he often wins things essentially because of his power. Hmm. Now, when we have a Saturn return in our chart, every single person has a Saturn and somewhere in their chart, it's in a different sign. And when it returns, it comes all the way back home to where it was when you were born. And that takes 29 and a half years in a cycle. So when we're about 28 to 31, we're going through our Saturn return, and that initiates a big portion of moving towards our North Node, um, restructuring our lives, um, revaluing or re-identifying our belief systems, all the things. And so it's not a comfy comfy time for a lot of people. and that's why I am in that. And uh, I have conversations with Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here. If you see me laughing, for those that are, are listening, of course, 
I always have video on whenever I'm having a chat with one of my wonderful guests because I find it helps to track, it helps us see what's going on, but it doesn't get recorded. So sometimes I'll make what's happening on the sound side of things. But if you see me laughing, Courtney, it's because <laughs> that, I only learned about this later, that timeline uh, was roughly just before that and then all throughout that um, Saturn return time, that was when I was going through my challenges with my body, with all my mental health breakdown. I shared a lot about this in my spiritual emergencies episode. I think it's episode 12 off the top of my head. And I only learned about it later that it was this kind of, let's take everything apart if you're not really already walking where you're going to walk. And knowing that this isn't all absolutes, this isn't a guarantee that if you're like 25, that you're like in for some mega bumpy road ahead. Mm-hmm. But knowing that in in my own life, that Saturn return time pretty much broke down every element of my life, inwardly and outwardly. And that was also the impetus to leaving my nursing career, we moved at the end of all of that, like totally moved from city to tiny town. But that was like the cherry on top. That was like, oh, good. Here, things can settle down. But Saturn return can be a big time. And getting some support if you're in it is really wonderful. So feel welcome to reach out for some extra support for whoever resonates with you. Because it can be a big time of breaking down and restructuring. Forgot that was one thing I had learned about astrology. <laughs> Yeah, I well, you shared that with me too, obviously, because I was also going through a lot of um, health stuff. Um, this was uh, last year in October, and mental health was a big thing for me throughout my. I'm still in my Saturn return, but the beginning of it, um, huge. And so we've talked about this. And no, it doesn't mean that every single person's going to experience that. But when you think about it, when you are restructuring your life and learning new ways of being yeah it's going to be a lot on your psyche and your body so support is a great way to help yourself through it in whatever way that looks like for you yeah that can be friends that can be family members that can be going out and talking with a tree yeah it does not have to be the standard stereotypical path though I have actually two counselors I work with for different layers of my being. I think counseling is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many yeah. ways we can get support and we can forget that when we're in the depths of it. So maybe it's a yeah. friendly reminder. <laughs> or just reach yeah. out. Therapy is cool. I say that all the time. <laughs> Therapy is cool. <laughs> talking about your feelings. I'm a huge mental health advocate and I will always continue to talk about it because it's confusing to go through different transits sometimes in our life where, you know, things don't make sense because we're relearning who we are and that's a Saturn return. Hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. very well put. And mm-hmm. oh, given, given all that, all that you've learned through these experiences and the highly sensitive piece, what would you say are both your your biggest challenge and on the flip side what's your favorite gift then of being highly sensitive mm, i love this question um my challenges have definitely been 
um, differentiating what my emotions are and what someone else's emotions are. Um, I tend to and have for a very long time had um, panic attacks. I'll go through spurts where I get them a lot and then Mm -hmm. like they won't come back for a long time. Um, I feel like my anxiety, I'm trying not to use my anxiety. I'm not identifying with it. I'm changing that to I experience anxiety. Yeah. And it's um, always communicated something to me. So that's been the challenge of understanding that and understanding my emotions and astrology has helped me with that um, as well as talking and obviously getting support. Um, But my gift, I think is this is where it's a double-edged sword sometimes because the ability to feel others energy or just the energy of what's going on is a really beautiful gift. It means I, my mom has always said, Courtney, you have such a big heart. I want to help the world every day. And that is something that I truly mean, like, because I feel so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's my gift. And also we were joking about this before, but like any movie, any show, like I'm crying. And you know, that's kind of beautiful. Sometimes people are like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm really experiencing it right now, you know? (laughs) And I think that it's okay to cry in movies. And oh, there's some tearjerkers out there. Oh, I could do a, I could easily do a whole episode on being a highly sensitive, watching a movie, some of the curveballs that show up, they're like, Hollywood, I just wanted a nice, happy ending. I wanted some extra oxytocin floating around, that feel-good hormone. Right. I not want <laughs> that tragedy. Here I am, like, all my TV's over here, and I'm over here hiding behind the, the wall. Like, I still want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. If I don't see it, I'm like okay or I pretend I'm doing something else and I'm like oh oh okay like it's very it's very definitely a smaller dose (laughs) I'm reducing how much I'm I'm taking in I love that yeah oh I'm I also have my hand up raised totally Greg will come in sometimes I'll be sitting here watching a movie and sniffing got the Kleenex box and there's the same thing. You okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just in it. I'm just in it for the for the experience here. Yeah. Oh. Good for the soul. It's good yeah. for the soul. Yeah. Yeah. We feel things as highly sensitives so, so deeply. And this is what it means. Sometimes that doesn't make sense. What do you mean you feel things deeply? Well, crying at, at movies when, especially in the joyful scenes, when you're like, I'm just so happy. I have to. I have to cry. <laughs> like, yeah. The next person's like, I'm kind of bored. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's okay. We feel things deeply. And that means a lot of processing. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like part of me is there. I'm like, I'm there. And one of the things, I guess, when I was younger, my mom would always say, like, it's not real. Like, you have to remember, mm-hmm. like, you know. But for me, it's it is though like so I have to be very mindful what I'm watching what I'm taking in um and that's obviously come with learning right it's I haven't always been aware of that so yeah yeah big time yeah that's something I'm very very mindful of I actually try and watch 
more previews and little snippets if I can before watching something so I know what I'm about to take in. I'm literally consuming energy through this information, this story, but it is affecting me. And so as best I can, and given whatever whatever mood I'm in around my moon time, very careful with what I read, what I watch. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a wise thing that you have here to to be mindful of, of what you take in. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We have covered some territory today. <laughs> we have really. Yeah, we have covered some territory today. So I would love to hear how can people find you, connect with you. You have an absolutely awesome YouTube channel. I will happily add in here. And yeah, what are you what are you up to? So I'll also include any links in the show notes too. But how do people find you and what are you offering on your your wonderful uh, plate right now? Yeah, thank you for um, that. I love YouTube. That's my like, <laughs> I want to grow there. Um, so yeah, I'm on YouTube. I do little videos about um, astrology over there. Also just like life stuff. So we talk about that. And then um, I also just started a podcast called the Saturn Return Diaries. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. It's very new. Um, but the goal of that is to kind of interview people who have already been through their Saturn Return. So stay tuned because I will ask Lisa to be on for this. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and just like I'm very curious and I want to know, I think it's very powerful for people to understand, you know, not to be afraid, but learn from others. So that is something that's new, but coming out. And then I obviously offer astrology readings um, and, you know, the, the basics uh, astrology reading of a birth chart, that's what I do the most of, but I also do kids charts. So um, if parents want to get there, I love doing them. Yeah. Kids charts. Holy cow. Like, yeah. Yeah. To understand their energy. And because I have a background with children, I also bring in some like behavior support um, and just kind of uh, ways that you can kind of help them um, move through that um, and just support them. Um, and then, yeah, there's, you can head over to Bravely Beautiful on Instagram. That's where you can find a lot of my uh, services. Beautiful. I love that. And it's that, I realized, I don't actually know what your YouTube channel name is. Is it also Bravely Beautiful? No, it's just, it's just, it's Court Burns. Um, so yeah, that one's more of like a me. I, I tried to diversify. <laughs> yeah, Bravely Beautiful. This, I yeah. trust me, I get how it goes. I just have name. I had the wildest deja vu as you were sharing about the astrology readings. I was like, wow, I've been here before. It's a little bit mind trippy. So wow. we're on the right track and yeah. <laughs> rolling along. So if, if you're curious to learn a little bit more, if your your interest has been piqued, I know how many highly sensitives do love to learn. I think Court is a fantastic resource. So you should head on over. You can listen to, she's really great at doing a lot of stories on the fly of like, here's what's going on. So feel free to check those ones out. And yeah, I can easily recommend readings with her. And if people are 
just curious for some more resources. Oh, this is the one thing I want to ask just before we wrap up. Where should people go? I'll rephrase that. Where could people go for putting in their birth chart? Do you have a favorite site that you like to use? Yeah, yeah I use astro.com. But that one can look a little bit overwhelming to people, I think, at first. So you could do Astro Cafe. Um, and Astro Cafe is kind of cool because it will break down the information for you. So if you're just starting out, I would say Astro Cafe is a really good place to start. Cool. Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes so that people can find it. It has been such a pleasure, so much fun to have you on the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. And I really appreciate your your time, your wisdom, your experiences. So really, really, really huge thank you to Courtney for joining us all on the show today. Aw, thank you. It's been so fun. I love these combos. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, we were we were preparing, chatting a little bit before hitting record. And anyway, we're going in a number of different directions here. So I know we brought in a lot today. So feel free to come back anytime, process some of it and come back to it again in the future. And if you have any questions, any thoughts, feel free to send them on over. You can, of course, find me at combinationhealing.ca. We've got, of course, the Circle 2 coming up, celebrating the summer solstice connecting to the earth-based rituals and that is on june 16th wednesday at 5 30 pacific time so you can save your spot via my website i should add in the uh, forward slash events there so combinationhealing.ca forward slash events and i hope you have an absolutely beautiful rest of your day whatever you have planned thanks so much for joining us and until next time bye for now